Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad you are here with me because I'm going to talk about my trip to High Plains Raceway. If you've been watching my YouTube channel, you'll know some videos went up. I'm here to talk about everything in between that and maybe some things you already saw. What is the first thing you have to do when you're going somewhere? Leaving the house, whether it be for work or an event. You have to drive there. Or, well, yeah, you have to drive there unless you take a shuttle. Still, you have to go. You have to be transported somewhere, whether on your own will or through public transport. Let me make a point. We did not take public transport to High Plains. Mostly because anyone who would take public transport to High Plains would very quickly just be dropped off at some roadside attraction. There wasn't any. Or, or maybe, you know, a bus stop way too far away to even bother to walk. You get to Byers, Colorado. The first, you know, when you're taking I-70 out east, past, far past Green Valley Ranch. You get to Byers. I think it's the first exit. You turn right and then you turn left under the highway which at that point is kind of an overpass. And you think, and you, and after you turn left, you know, you see a little convenience store, and you think, oh, okay, good, sweet. I may be, you know, five minutes away. You're half an hour away. You're not even, you're not even 15 minutes away. You're at best half an hour away. I kid you not, this place is out in the doggone sticks. In the proper sticks, just dirt, mud, and I, I'm kidding about the dirt and the mud, but still. There's no one and nothing for miles. It's like it's like Road 66, but infinitely less interesting. The track's interesting, but the road to get there isn't. There's maybe a few hills, maybe a few bumps, hardly any turns. The road leading up to High Plains might as well be a straight. It might as well be a straight line because there are hardly any turns, and it is the most mind-numbing thing you could imagine. I don't remember what the scientific name for this shall we say condition is called but basically you're going down a straight road you're looking at the lines or something and you're getting put to sleep and what have you or or you you don't think you're going fast or you speed up to dangerous levels that's what that road would cause because that's what we were doing maybe 50 maybe 10, i don't know i don't really remember but it felt like we weren't getting anywhere and you, and you think when you're going past the hills, when you're going over the hills, you're like, oh, it must be over this hill. It must be over, you know, maybe that next hill. It's at least five or seven hills down, maybe eight hills down, before you actually see the racetrack. And trust me, when you see the racetrack, you see the racetrack. You know it when you see it. Because the only other thing outside of grass are grassy hills. It is the only thing that isn't a grassy hill in the surrounding area. Don't get it driving from GVR to Byers was a little boring because it's it, that I-70 was completely for, for the most part it was very straight. There were a few interesting bits, but again, for the most part it was a straight road. A very straight road or highway. You get off, I get you get off of Byers, you do your thing. And again, and you you're just you're fooled into this false sense of near completion. Because you think the journey's nearly, you think the highway bit is what it is what takes up most of the journey. It's not. 
and it, it maybe takes 25, maybe 30% of your journey. So, so as I was saying, you're tricked into this false sense of nearly completing this quest, this journey of valor. You're not even near there, son. You're not even close. You got, you got to keep going for maybe half an hour before you even get there. And the further and further away you get from the little convenience stores off that exit, I can't remember what exit it was, but the further and further away, the further you delve into this deep, kind of hilly, but boring grassland, the more and more you realize just how far out this place is. Not only that, the further and further, the more and more you realize just how long of a drive it is to get to this place. And the two, and I had two friends who actually invited me out to High Plains for that for this event. They live more or less in Golden, Colorado. If if you don't know where that is, basic, it, look up Jefferson County Courthouse, and you have a good enough idea of where Golden is. They drove from there to High Plains, and let me tell you, I got up, I got up at four, did some stuff. I think we left the house at six. Between we left the house between six and. Eight, and we didn't arrive till at least 10. Th well, no, no, no. That's not where I was going with that. We, we're much closer than they are. Like, we're maybe within an hour and a half away. They're at least two and a half hours. Can you imagine how early they had to get up just to make it out? And we caught up to them. We caught up. Did we catch up or did we pass them? No, they caught up to us because we stopped at the convenience store. But they caught up to us by the time we got out of the convenience store. Can you imagine how early they would have had to get up in order to pull off such a feat? I can't. I don't I don't even think I want to know how early they got up. Just they're the real heroes going from golden to far past buyers before making it to this brilliant but doggone out in the middle of nowhere racetrack. I'd highly recommend some music, maybe an audiobook, something. Something. Because it's not the highway that gets you. It's not the false sense of completion when you're, you know, when you turn off the exit and see the little convenience store and you're five minutes away from it. It's the hill after hill after hill thinking that the racetrack's got to be over that next one and it isn't. That's what's going to get you because you can't, because you think it just can't be any further than what you've already drove. But you can't stop driving until you see the racetrack. And believe me, you'll see it because there's nothing out there. There's barely any farmland, there's barely any houses, there's barely any telephone hook, although amazingly there's apparently a good signal, but still, there's barely anything out there. You can't miss the racetrack. The only way you can miss it is if you took a wrong turn. And if you're getting there a little late, there's no way you can't hear the racetrack. And you'll want to know why the racetrack, this racetrack in this utopia of nothing is out where it is? Because there apparently used to be a racetrack out by DIA or out by the airport. And then the housing development moved in, and so they couldn't have the racetrack anymore. So they wanted to have a racetrack. So they wanted to have a racetrack in a place where they knew for certain it would never ever be disrupted. Not once. And they succeeded. They completely, utterly succeeded. But they could have been 15 minutes, they could have been 10 minutes up the road, and they'd still be covered. They could have been 15 minutes up the road, and they'd still be covered. Because there's there was maybe one set there was maybe one i can't even describe to you how big the bet how small this and it wasn't even a housing development it was three buildings within 20 feet of each other that's it 
and maybe a farm that was 10 minutes outside of that convenience store. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And the funny part, the funny part is there were school stops out that far. The, the track is something else. It's on a whole nother level. But even those houses are out, are still out in the middle of nowhere. Or the houses and the farms still out in the middle of nowhere. And they have the audacity to say, oh yeah, you might want to slow down. We have bus stops. What school is going to be nearby? It's going to be a 30 minute bus ride. It might be 20 minutes waiting for the bus. You know what? I don't even know if you have to get up early. I don't even know how early the bus driver would have to get up just to make it to the houses in a semi-normal, at a semi-normal hour as far as, you know, getting up for school goes. But I don't know where the school would be. I didn't see, well, I saw a college, but that was still further away than those houses. And that, and that wasn't even the right exit. I don't know what school there possibly was out there where riding, the school, riding a school bus would would make sense. Frankly, I don't understand how it would make sense for someone to raise kids out that far in the middle of nowhere without being closer to a school. I mean, if you're not in a good community, oh, well, okay, then yeah, I could see you like the solitude, but being that far out, you're just setting your kid up for hating getting up every morning on the, on the weekdays because what bus? What what bus is going to drive? Going out there was something because it, gave, it, give, it gives you a real perspective especially in some of the towns of Colorado, like GBR, Stapleton, and if you just how tightly knit everything is. Even, even the things that are somewhat far away, and I say that loosely, because nothing was in spitting distance out there. They barely had a Walmart, okay, Supers, no Costco, which makes sense, but still, it was just a local convenience store, and they barely had a McDonald's, and that was further back in Strasburg or something else. I can't begin to tell you just how... Er, and then again, I just, I've just tried. But you have to drive to High Plains to really understand what I'm talking about, about just this false sense of thinking you're nearly there. Because that's the most frustrating thing, because you're thinking, and you're not. You're nowhere near. And so you just get to a point where nothing, nothing matters. You'll see it when you see it, but you just got to keep driving. So we get there, and it, it's funny, because the sign, for, the, I don't think there was a sign for High Plains either. There was no, oh, hey, Exit here for the racetrack in the middle, you know, actually built into the hillside. No, nothing. You just knew when you saw a, a sort of break in the road. There was a there was a side road. I, th I think it was dirt initially. You knew that that was for high plains because there was no other there was no other side road that could lead anywhere that that lead to anywhere that wasn't a private you know a private piece of land. So there's no sign. You can miss it, but I think at this point you're so bored of. Just looking for anything, it would be. I think it would be almost hard to miss the this the entrance to this place. So we pull in, we get to the little box where the guy is. Blah blah. blah. We tell him we're for we're for the ignite performance event. We go, we park. They have they have a, they actually have an enclosed paddock, but the whole paddock isn't. The whole paddock isn't enclosed. It's basically one row of car. I mean, you can fit more than one car in the paddock because the bays are wide enough but they're not deep enough so you couldn't have you know maybe four row i mean if you had maybe i don't know M mg midgets or bm or bubble cars maybe but still you can have two cars in a bay but you can't you know do the width but you can't have four cars in a bay because it's not deep enough it's not deep enough for that so very quickly a lot of the bays got filled 
all the enclosed bays, I should take outfield, so then everyone else that eventually came ended up parking outside in the sun. So if, there, if there's one bit of insight I can give to someone wanting to do a track day, it's this. If you don't want to be in the sun, if you don't want your car to be in the sun, if you don't want anything to do with the sun outside of track driving, get there early so you can get a spot in the paddock, in the enclosed paddock. That's it. That, just get there early. But anyway, so like I said, later it got, people just parked outside, did stuff. The the area where all the cars are is actually pretty big. It's actually pretty big. You could probably fit, I don't know, maybe 40 cars. It, if, if it was one car per trailer, maybe 24 is a little bit more realistic, but there's still a good amount of space to fit a handful of cars. The track, I thought, initially I thought, okay, this look. It looked a little thin to me. It didn't look very wide. I was like, okay, overtaking looks difficult. It looks too tight to be going fast on anything other than a bike or a Lotus slash Catrum 7. I was wrong. It's tight, maybe perhaps tighter to, I mean, you know, video games aren't a very good judge, but even Laguna Seca, even portions of Laguna Seca looked a little bit big, a little bit wider, but no, it, it was wide enough. It was more than wide enough for fast peaks, fast high speed shenanigans. So track sufficiently wide. Some areas are tighter than others. Uh, there's a few good. There's a fair bit of elevation change. Fair bit of elevation change. So that made the track. Unfortunately, no, not there wasn't like a Laguna Seca style corkscrew. But the last chicane is a pretty interesting turn. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this first part. I will see you all in part two. And after a word from our sponsors. Are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash www.ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303-576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states. Hello everyone and welcome back. Now what I didn't talk about in my chat about the paddock was just the amount of beautiful metal machinery going on there. You had, they had a fair few Lotus 7s. We had a Formula, I think it was a Formula Mazda, basically like a Formula Ford. We had another kind of, you know, we had another open wheel car. And I mean, proper open wheel, not the Lotus 7s. They had an aerial, oh, I guess aerial Adam is also a proper open wheel car, but whatever. You had an aerial Adam. Not only that, it looked like a V8. It looked like a V8 Atom. Did not expect to see that there. It was, it was awesome seeing that there. There was a Ferrari, I believe, 308 GTB. There was a Porsche 968, which was driven by, I'll tell you soon enough. Uh, it, it, it's a big surprise, actually. There were... There wasn't a Radical there. Kind of surprised there wasn't a Radical, but you had the Lotus 7s, which was close enough. You had my friends, William and, well, William's Cortina. Sarah was another friend of mine having uh, some fun with the, having some fun with the Cortina with William. Uh, and he had a, William had a El Camino as the tow vehicle. 
There was that Cortina. It was a Mark II. Looked great. It was ridiculously loud. Insanely, almost ear-splittingly loud. But then again, I kind of have... Well, maybe not sensitive hearing. I'm just not very... I have very low noise threshold. There, a certain level, and I'm like, nope, gotta plug my ears somehow. There was a Lotus Exige, and a new one at that. It looked brilliant. There was a Porsche 911 Turbo. Not the new one, the prior the prior update. Can't remember what that one's called. I think that one's 991.2, or is it? No, 991. What, whatever, we don't need to get into 911 code names. I'm trying to save the best for last, so forgive the slight stuff. There was a just a metric ton of Miatas. I mean, I guess that shouldn't have been too surprising, but there was a ton of them. Just an almost sickening amount of them. Uh, all, all of which were in varying degrees of condition and had varying degrees of track worthiness. And when I say track worthiness, I mean some were more hardcore than others. There was a Audi... I think it was an Audi S6, some some Audi sedan that one of the guys from Ignite from Ignite Performance was using to you know teach people who didn't know the track what the track was like. There was a Peugeot Esperante. Didn't expect to see that at all. It was awesome, utterly fantastic seeing that one because I never saw one. There's a lot of cars I haven't seen in real life, but there are some that you know you kind of expect to see at a uh, at a track day, and that one. That vehicle simply wasn't one of the vehicles I was expecting to see. So to see it, that was really cool. It wasn't the standout for me. I mean, I, I guess relatively obviously. But yeah, that was a very, very cool car to see. Uh, it was it was kind of loud. There was also a Ford GT40, and I think it was a replica... I think it was. Either way, that was the second loudest car. The second loudest, because I believe William slash my friend's Cortina, Mark II Cortina, was louder. It it had once it had one exhaust pipe, and it was side and it was it it was a side exhaust. But boy, could you hear that thing from everywhere on the track, even from a a good few hundred feet away, or you know, a good few yards away. You could still hear that thing. Just, it, it made an incredible racket. It was weirdly awesome. And, I, and I've made up a word just just specifically for that definition. I call it peculiar. So we'll add that, we'll add that to the Cody's Car Conundrum of new words. It, it's, the, it's the Cody Wagner Dictionary of Words that don't exist but potentially should. Basically like the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, but, you know, better. No. <laughs> But, yeah, so, yeah, the Ford GT40, which was, again, easily the second loudest, if not the loudest car there. You had a few Miatas, you had an actual Audi S4 that was track prepped, it looked really good. There was a Ford Escort, there was a Ford Escort, and it was a 24 Hours of Lemons style vehicle. Yeah, it was 24 Hours of Lemons, let's see, 24 Hours of Lemons vehicle, there was... Uh, there was a Mercedes SLS AMG. Didn't really expect to see that there at all. And even better was it was actually on the track. I, I mean, I was leaving by that time for reasons, and I'll get to them. But, yeah, that was on the track. There was a Mercedes AMG GT that didn't actually go out on the track. In fact, it was just a photographer who was there who didn't want to, you know, scratch up his ride because he, he knew he wasn't good enough, which 
I should commend him for knowing he wouldn't have been good enough to go on the track with what was probably his one of his prized possessions. There was that. There was a. I think it's a. It was there was a Shelby Daytona Brock or a Brock Coupe. Brock Coupe. And if you don't know what that is, it is a replica of the Shelby Daytona Coupe, but you know actually designed by Pete Brock himself. Uh, that was there, and that was cool. I didn't get a ride in that one. I really wish I did, but that was... But the car... I got a ride in the Cortina. I got a ride in the Cortina. That... It has so much grip. And William told me it was on old tires. So I can't imagine how grippy that thing would be on new tires, but it was crazy how much grip it had. Uh, but that was one car that I got a ride... There was there was a C5 Corvette. There wasn't that many... There wasn't as many Corvettes as I thought. I don't, there might have been one C6... I just remember seeing the C5. Anyway, though, moving on from that. Well, actually, during all of that, I had found William and William's Cortina, and Sarah was hanging around with that. William was walking up and down the paddock, and he actually <laughs> video bombed me while I was walking up, walking down the paddock, uh, which was pretty funny. But yeah, I didn't. It's funny because I think I think William has an Elan, and I thought he was gonna bring that, but turns out he has a full blown race car. I mean, properly gutted interior, no actual headlights, it's just, you know, it might as well be cardboard with a sticker on it that's supposed to look like a headlight and a roll cage and racing harness and what it, it was the business. That car, that was a race car, a classic proper race car, and it looked awesome. It sounded pretty, it sounded good as well, as loud as it was. Yeah, and so then I continued to walk, I continued to walk up and down the paddock. Getting, getting some more shots as people were leaving. I think the Panos came just a little bit later. Uh, and so I'm going down to the east side of the paddock on the end. And I'm walking around this Porsche 968. Because I saw it come in. But I didn't see who was driving. And I'm like, and it was a really, really nice 968. And I'm like, I wonder... I wonder who on earth has... I'm not saying it's back on. I'm just I was like, of, of all the cars, I wonder who has brought a Porsche 968 because it was really intriguing. Lo and behold, Randy Popes from Motor Trend was at this track day. Track day. It, it was a track day. But he was at this track day. I have to admit, I was starstruck. I, starstruck. I don't agree with a lot of what Motor Trend put. And I'll be honest, I don't really look at Motor Trend that much anymore. I really don't. Even still, I was a little bit star starstruck seeing Randy Popst in the same, on the same track that I was in, basically in the same vicinity. In the same vicinity. And, and I was really confused because I'm like, what is Randy Post doing? Of all the places he could have gone, why is he at High, High Plains is a really, really nice track. Yes, but come on. High Plains is not Laguna Seca in Colorado. We don't, we don't have, the closest thing we have to that is Pikes Peak, and that's a hill climb. As far as I'm concerned, we don't have a Laguna Seca in Colorado. The closest thing is either High Plains or Pikes Peak Raceway, or Pikes Peak International, whatever it's called. That isn't the hill climb. That's it. I didn't introduce myself traditionally. In fact, I, mean, I did introduce myself later, but the, I initiated, it wasn't a conversation, but I, I, again, I got to meet him briefly. But the way I started the conversation was so awkward. It's... One of the less cringeworthy moments, actually. So I'm not too embarrassed about it, but I I see him. He turns around. I see his face, 
and I'm slowly walking up to him, not in a creepy way. And I'm pointing, and I probably should have been pointing, but, but I said, you're Randy Post. And I think he just smiled a little bit. He was like, he was like who's this kid? <laughs> like, okay, cool to be recognized, but who the mess are you? So I just introduced myself. Then he asked, you know, do you watch a lot of Motorhead? And unfortunately, I said yes, even though I don't. Because honestly, as much as it was cool medium, I really didn't want to get into a deep discussion about why I don't watch or very well read Motor Trend much anymore. So I just let it slide. It was really cool seeing the, and meeting him for all of three minutes, I think. Yeah, that was cool. That was really, really cool. I, I, I want to make a point. At one point, when I... Because the Auto Archives slash Haggerty and Gold... Well, I don't know where Auto, Auto Archives is, but Haggerty and Golden host the F1 thing, and I know a few people there. And one of the people who works there, Devin Scott, I don't remember who he was comparing to Ralph Jones, but he was like, who, you know... Was it cooler to meet Ralph or... Or this might have been my dad. I don't really remember. It was like, was it cooler to meet Ralph or... Was it cooler to... And... Honestly, I don't... I don't think it's really cooler. Like, it was awesome to chat with Ralph. It was brilliant. I think that just getting a chance to talk with any of them is an equal level of... it. It's an equal level of awesome. So, you know, to that degree, I don't... Getting to talk with any of them. I respect all. I respect all of them. So getting to talk to any of them is a pleasure. is is a privilege in and of itself. I don't know if I can really put one higher above. The, I mean, maybe maybe Ralph would have. You know, I think Ralph is at the top, but really not by much because I respect all of them. I respect all of what they do, and I and I'm interested one way or another. I find it equally as awesome to just do whatever with them, more or less. So. Although, like, like I said, Ralph is probably at the top. So, there you go. I will end this off here, and we will continue on in the third part. Here is a word from our sponsors. Are you uninsured or underinsured? Can't afford the high premiums of health insurance? Would you like to save money on your out-of-pocket cost for dental and medical bills? If you answered yes to any of these questions, request more information at http colon slash slash www.ownyourhealthcare.com slash alternative dash healthcare dash solutions or call Dr. Taffy at 303-576-0670. Our plans are available in 42 states. Hello everyone, welcome back. Let's get back onto topic. So, again, I'll get to the special car in a minute, but they had a driver's meeting, as I think is par with every track day. And they were saying, you know, don't do this, don't do that. If you want to exit the racetrack, you know, lift your left hand up or whatever. So they also had a map of the track, which was pretty cool. And the way it's actually displayed at the driver's meeting is kind of, is kind of the opposite to the way I've seen it on Google, on in Google in terms of images. So, uh, and that's more correct than it is on Google images. Or at the very least, it just made more sense. But anyway, so they were talking about that. I think track edition, you know, things happening and whatnot. So that took, I think, maybe almost 30 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. It wasn't a very long driver's meeting. Uh, so after that, we all walked back down into the paddock. Everyone got situated again. We, everyone was actually starting to just roll out. 
just absolutely roll out to have a blast on the track day or on the track. I'm telling you, just all the all the cars firing up as they were ready to hit the racetrack. It was brilliant, and I'll finally stop teasing you guys. As we were driving into the paddock, this is going back to when we were first getting there. Pulling as we were driving behind the enclosed paddock, trying to find a spot or trying to find where visitors' parking was. I guess I initially doubted it. I was second guessing myself for about two or three seconds, but then I fully realized no. This is actually here, and it was a Viper ACR Extreme at this track day. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because there was no way I was not going to get a ride in this. There was no way I wasn't going to figure out how to get a ride in this. So, fast forward to back when the driver's meeting ended. Everyone, everyone's hitting the track, including the ACR. And Sarah, uh, a friend of mine and William's friend, uh, she got a ride in the Cortina. After sort of like the pre-flight checks were done, uh, and we got a, we got a few videos of that going around the track, and <laughs> it, it was pretty funny when she got out of the car after the we'll say shenanigans ended after the quick laps ended. I, I don't I'm not so sure if he was hot lapping, but he was still going pretty quick at at least eight tenths after she got out of the routine. And also, I want to make a mini side note: it was hot. It was hot that day. It wasn't hot in the morning, but the later it got, the hotter it got. But anyway, after she got after she got out of the car, she was explaining how she couldn't she couldn't keep up with William. And I'm not saying she was she couldn't. I think she was trying to look through the turns as we, and she could she just couldn't keep up. It was pretty funny. She she said she had a new respect for him as a as a driver. And she, he was crazy, and I have to attest after. I got my ride in the Cortina. He is a ridiculously fast driver. I mean, I think the AC. I mean, obviously the ACR was faster, but even the Cortina was. It's not that fast and it's still quick, but it's the corners that get. It's the corner speed because of just how much grip it has because of the turning. It is a very very quick little car, and I still think William was going at eight tenths while I was in the car uh, during my ride in the Cortina and. The funny thing about the Cortina is it's very loud when you're standing outside, but it's actually, it's almost quieter when you're inside. I mean, yes, I had a helmet on, whereas I didn't when I was outside, but I brought hearing protection. It was quieter inside with the helmet than it was outside with the hearing protection. And I think that was because A, the exhaust was on the left side of the car and I was on the passenger side. But B, you're just, you're inside and you're surrounded by all that metal. It kind of quells the sound of the, the sheer level of noise that that car creates. By just, by just even a little bit, but <laughs> it was pretty awesome. We were getting on two wheels. Not not by much, not like Hollywood levels, but those few two-wheeled moments were pretty uh, adrenaline pumping. It was awesome. Going around that track in the Cortina was awesome. So I'm doing my best not to get motion sick. <laughs> because if you guys don't know, I, I get motion sick fairly easily. Like, a, a, a Ferris wheel is just going to do me. It's just going to destroy me and or reading in the car that's gonna do me in pretty good uh so i'm sitting i'm sitting in the car william's going about maybe eighth eight nine tenths i'm trying my best not to throw up all over this cortina and to be honest i'm actually doing a really good job i'm not getting motion sick how am i not getting motion sick i'm just i'm looking through the turns i'm not i'm trying not to turn my head too much to sort of because if i turn my head too much or too quickly while the car is moving really quickly i'm going to uh confuse my brain and my the brain 
my brain, my eyes, and that little liquid thing in my ears. Um, so I'm just looking through the turns, just following what he's doing, and again, I'm doing pretty... I'm feeling a slight sense of sickness, but I'm fending it off pretty well. And there's one corner on the track that actually gets rid of it. It's... And I don't know my corner names or numbers very well, but I think it's near... It's close to the bottom portion of the track down on the one of the lowest part of the tracks it's on the the like the lesmos in monza but at high plains like that but longer or yeah it's like that and so you take that second right hander up the hill towards the left v that comes after and that right that up right hill sweeper was actually almost getting rid of it. I don't know what it was about that turn, but it was getting rid of my motion sickness a little bit. Or at the very least, it was helping me cope with it because I knew every time, at least around that track, I could feel better at that point. But we did maybe like four hard laps. No, three hard laps and on the fourth one, the car broke down. <laughs> Just almost if to prove the stereotype true that British cars break down, or at the very least classic ones break down. On the fourth lap right right at the back straight the throttle went as if there was no throttle it just went the linkage went so we pull off on one of the side roads and we sit there for maybe five minutes waiting for the tow truck to come and my legs getting cooked it's in the sun like you know when you sit in the car and the and it and there's shadows by you're right by your legs and then you see the sun Coming in and it lights it up. Okay, that's where that's where the sun was shining, right by my knee, and it was cooking it, utterly boiling it. Uh, so I, I was pretty comfortable. The car wasn't too hot, but my leg was burning up pretty bad. Uh, but every everything up to that point was awesome. The lap, the laps were incredible. Just and he didn't heal in tow. It's a manual Cortina, and he didn't heal in tow, which I found fascinating. Honestly, because I really thought he would, but no, D didn't need to. Uh, but yeah, and another thing about his Cortina was that more or less under 4,000 RPMs, the car really doesn't get going. It, kinda, it, it actually stutters at about 2,000, so the higher RPMs, the better it goes. But yeah, he's a ridiculously fast driver. Just We were trying to keep up with a like the Lotus Exige I mentioned earlier, and... We were coming up to that V that comes after that right-hand uphill sweeper. And he was saying to someone else, and I, I just happened to hear it. He was saying that at that point he decided to back off because he was going pretty fast. And he knew if that Lotus broke braked hard, he wouldn't have been able to stop in time. So he just he let the Lotus get ahead. Or the, the Exige get ahead. Yeah, but getting a ride with him was a very awesome way to start that part of what was essentially the afternoon. And I was pretty much yelling. I was like, yeah! Because it was... It was just brilliant. It was brilliant going around the track that fast. Getting up on two wheels. Breaking hard. Missing apexes in some cases due to slight understeer. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I really enjoy. I'd love to get another ride in that Cortina. So after the car... You know, after the car broke down and it got towed back... We got back to the pits, the throttle went, more, more than one thing went, but it was throttle related. So that was unfortunately it for the day in terms of the Cortina, so 
I ended up just continually docking. There was a noble, uh, like a, it, there was a pre-noble M600 there. You know, one of the older ones. Uh, I can't remember. I don't even know wh what specific one it was. I didn't expect to see that either. I'm like, really? We got a noble here? And it was actually a noble, not, you know, oh, it looks like a noble, but it's one of those kick, you know, different kick cards. No, a proper noble. Uh, so I really, I was really surprised to see that there. Um, more cars are going out. The panels Esperante. Eventually, this was way later. In fact, this was near when we were leaving. There was an Alfa Romeo Giulia there. Kind of wish I got a ride in that, but I was so sick. And I'll tell you, I'll explain why soon. But I was so sick, I couldn't have done another ride. I couldn't have. Uh, but anyway, so, took some pictures, got some photos. And then... And I was trying to get a ride, actually, with one of the instructors, but it just never came to pass. Sorry. Uh, but, um, the, eventually, what ended up happening was the ACR came back from taking another person. Uh, and I was waiting for that, more or less, you know, outside of waiting for the instructor. You know, initially, I was waiting for the instructor, but the ACR came back, and, you know, my dad was like, well, here you go, here's your chance, just get, get a ride in that. So... Chatted with the guy a little bit, and I got a ride. In fact, I got to sit in the driver's seat, and then I got kicked out. <laughs> well, I got out, and then got in the passenger seat and got a ride. And just let me tell you that it... Okay, some of you are probably expecting me to say, Oh, it was hot. It was loud. It was unbearable. It was none of those things. It was loud, but the Cortina was loud. Okay, I shouted... In the course, and I don't even think William heard me. I don't think I had to tap. I had to tap his arm just just to get some sort of communication going. I could have yelled, and the driver would have heard me. It it really was it really wasn't that unbearable. You could have a conversation on a track. I mean, you'd have to speak up a fair bit, but you didn't. You wouldn't have to shout. You wouldn't have to actively shout to be heard. Um, so it wasn't nearly as loud as the Cortina on the inside, outside. From afar, I don't think it was, but standing near it, still loud enough to almost hurt my hurt my ears. Um, but yeah, it's nowhere near as loud. It wasn't exceptionally hot. I think it was just hot due to the ambient texture te temperature of having you know a bunch of cars around the track and in the paddock, and or the heat radiating off the racing surface. And we had the windows down, so all that hot air just coming in. I mean, it was be it'd be better than having the windows up, but still, it wasn't exceptionally hot. It wasn't uncomfortable at all. And we did hit the apex a few times. It wasn't uncomfortable at all. A lot of, and I've read a few ACR reviews, and they say, oh, it's hot, it's unbearable, it's loud, it's, you know, terrifying, and it really wasn't. It was scary going that fast on the straight and in the turns. It wasn't a scary place to be, honestly. Yeah. Put it this way, the car itself wasn't scary, the speeds we were going, that was scary. Um, but to pull this back a little bit to pre-being on the track, so we're just driving down the pit lane. Um, yeah, so we're driving down the pit lane, we get onto the track, he nails it, and, and let me tell you, I can't rest my head on the headrest. I get motion sick that way. I couldn't help but have my head hit the top portion of the seat because the Viper doesn't have a traditional headrest. I couldn't help it. 
the acceleration was that in between gear changes when he lets off the throttle and then gets back on it after changing gears. A, a fair few times, I couldn't help it. I didn't let my head stay there, but my head kept hitting the headrest. I couldn't help it because the acceleration was so brutal. And the brakes, the brakes might as well, it, it might as well be nearly insta-stop. We didn't get it to 130 on the on the front straight often, okay? But on one lap, I think it was the second lap, we had to pass a few cars. And then the, there was a 911 Turbo that already passed us, but we had to pass. We got it to 130, and we still break in time for turn one. Oh, wait, no, not turn one. The back, the turn after the back straight. We still break in time. And, and I'll be honest with you, the 911 Turbo was faster in a straight, unsurprisingly, but... It could not live with us in the turns. It couldn't cope with us in the turns. And the turbo driver was fast. Because I think he had a better line through the S's than uh, Jim Bauer, the guy who was driving the ACR, did. But even still, it couldn't, it couldn't cope. It couldn't live with us. Even, even marginally. We were killing it. And, and let me make a point. We were all over that turbo. The turbo would leave us in the straights, yes, but in, and let's say the back straight, it would get away from us, but right down to, in the braking zone, in the next turn, because it's a right turn and then a left turn after the back straight, right within that left turn, we were basically near enough, almost on the bumper of it, again, already. That's how fast, that's how ridiculous the ACR is in the turns. It, you just, you can't. I can't begin to describe how... And I think he, Jim was going maybe 6 tenths, maybe 7 tenths in a few areas. But he wasn't going all out. And he didn't even have it on the full track setting because he didn't have the... And this was an ACR Extreme. He didn't even have the vent, the side vent, uh, the hood vents. He didn't even take the louvers out. And it was still ridiculous. I don't even think he did much, if any, suspension changes. And it was still fast. So, we're going a few laps around, and I'm not even shouting or screaming or anything. I just have this infant-esque look of terror. You know that video where the baby's in the cradle, and they're laughing and stuff, and then something happens, and they go, <gasps> That's what I was like, but around the entire lap. And the reason is because I didn't want, I really did Because I knew if there was any car that was going to get me, if, it, if there was any car that was going to disable disable me in terms of motion sickness as in I couldn't sit up, I couldn't stand, I couldn't walk. It was going to be this. It was going to be the ACR. It was going to in inhabilitate? Is that? It was going to incapacitate me, essentially. And it did. But let's take a step back a little bit. So, I, I didn't even shout, I didn't even scream. I was barely turning my head. I was just looking with my eyes. But I, I couldn't. I, I restricted myself to just enjoying it but but being relatively terrified just being in awe of the sheer speed that this car was capable of because i knew if i was shouting and then there was going to be a break or so i knew if i was doing anything other than just being in awe i was going to get motion sick i couldn't i could not do anything but be in awe otherwise i would have accelerated the process for me to upchuck over this really really nice car um and so I didn't. I just, I just looked. I tried to anticipate the braking stuff. I tried to keep. I barely. I didn't even have anything more. I really didn't eat much. But, and just to, for so, yeah, we're on the same page. After long after I got out of the car, 
I had to lay down. I could barely walk. And I laid down on William's trailer that he used to tow the Cortina with. I had to lay down on the trailer. And it wasn't very comfortable, but there was nowhere, there really wasn't any, anywhere else to, to lay. And, I, and we had our car. I could have gone and laid down there, but I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sit up. Because if I sat up, I promise you, I was going to throw up. I knew it for a fact. It, it came on like a storm. So I had to lay there. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't sit up without throwing up. I knew if I, if I stood, I definitely was going to throw up. I couldn't walk to a trash can. I'd have to have someone. This, how, this was how bad it was. If, if I bothered to sit up, I would have to tell my dad, okay, if you find a trash can, you're going to have to bring it here. I'm going to sit up. You're going to have to put it over my face as I'm sitting. I'm not standing as I'm sitting up. And then maybe I'll try to stand so that I don't get it over me. Because, I'm telling you, I wouldn't. I could not walk to a... And I couldn't even think about the drive I just had. Because that would have made me sick. It would have made it worse. Just thinking about it as I was motion sick made it, was going to make it worse. But I'd do it again. I'd do it every day of the week and two times on Sunday. And despite the fact that even after... Because I was sick at the track and I was still sick when we were driving home. And keep in mind, that was a good... Four hours, I was motion sick. I was getting better, but I was still trying to keep myself from just absolutely and utterly up-chucking. I'm telling you, a good four hours. And when I got home and when I went to bed, I woke up at maybe 9 or 10. I didn't even have dinner. I was knocked out from the sickness. And, and after that, went back to bed again. And I think I woke up the next day. I only woke up one other time, but I woke up the next day. I was that out of it but i'd still go back it, i'm gonna make an article of just how ridiculous the acr is but i want to do it again <laughs> i've got and now i know that at least bring some drama me so that when i do that again i you know, won't be completely incapacitated with motion sickness and yes i mean most people when they say they get motion sickness they're about to throw up with me it's more of a mind thing it's like my mind is just completely spinning all my thought everything i was going to throw up yes but that's but that was the result of what was going on in my head, not not the result of what I not the result of anything else. It was just because of what was going on in my head. It was like my brain was disoriented. It was going up, down, left, right. It would my brain gets gets disoriented, and because of that, my stomach just can't deal, or it couldn't deal then. But like I said, I I'd have to do it again. It, that was I only got two rides in, I think. But the Cortina and the ACR were easily the best parts. Or the ACR anyway was the best part. But I'm totally fine with it because the ACR was the one car I had. No, no buts about it. Had to get a ride in. Got a ride in it. Have to get a ride in it again. With drama me. With really strong drama me. But with drama me next time. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I, just, I have to go to high planes again. I've got to get a track car. I've got to get a project car. Something I can take to high planes to have my own just barrel of laughs out there but anyway i hope you all enjoyed this and my tale of spectacular woe <laughs> with the acr i will see you all soon you've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if i'm being honest if you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. 
If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.